Welcome to Credit Union Conversations Podcast with your host, Mark Ritter, a forward-thinking CEO who excels in helping credit unions, small businesses, and real estate investors succeed. Join Mark as he explores current trends, interviews industry experts, and get fresh insights on optimizing your operations and delivering the best possible services to credit union members. Hello, everybody. This is Mark Ritter, your host of Credit Union Conversations and the CEO of MBFS. Thank you so much for joining us today and giving us a little bit of your time as we spread the message about credit unions and hopefully give you a little bit more knowledge uh, than you had the day before. We've been having a great time releasing these episodes every two weeks on Tuesday, and I get to talk to a lot of people who, who tell me that they listen to us in the gym as they're outside going for a walk or driving to work. So thank you for your support. Every month I see our, our numbers going up. And today I have a very special guest of, of mine. And it is Kabir Lewala, who is the CEO of Platinum Federal Credit Union. Kabir, thanks for joining us. How are you today? You're most welcome. Hello, everyone. I wanted to have Kabir on the show because I've been fortunate enough to meet many, many really nice and great people in, in this world over the last 20 years as I've been in the credit union space. But when I when I work with Kabir's credit union, when I talk with him, he really truly represents the credit union values and does a great job managing the credit union and growing the credit union. So I wanted to get him on here to pick his brain a little bit about the credit union so that we could all learn a little bit more about it, but also what he thinks of uh, is going to be going on in our space over the next few years. So let's get rolling, Kabir. Sounds good. First of all, tell people a little bit uh, about your journey, your origin story, you know, from your early days and how you entered the credit union industry. Sure. Uh, so I'm originally from Mumbai, India, uh, the hustling and bustling town. And uh, I did my undergrad in accounting. And as you know, if you're from India, for every job, there are a thousand people. So uh, for me to make sure that I am uh, on top here, uh, in addition to my accounting degree, I was also pursuing my software career. So I did uh, C++, Java, Oracle, and all that programming as well. While I was also also helping my brother with his computer, desktop publishing, and uh, so um, tweaked with the hardware and uh, uh, stuff. So I always had interest in uh, computers. Uh, but uh, unfortunately, again, the line to get in college for computer science is also long in India. So my second option was accounting, so that's what I did. And while in college, I also started pursuing my CPA degree in India, and I was doing my internship uh, in India. We required to do internship for three years at a CPA firm. So I did that, finished my graduation, uh, and I was started to uh, start taking my test for my CPA certification. And that's when my uncle, uh, who lives in Atlanta, Georgia, came over to India, visited me with my family. Uh, and then he's like, you know, with your qualification and all that, maybe I can use your help uh, with, you know, he had three businesses. He was expanding, opening a warehouse. He's like, I can use your help in accounting and stuff. And that's when uh, he sponsored uh, uh, me, uh, H1 Visa, and I came over to U.S. in March of 2001. 
Uh, that's what my, started my journey in U.S. That's how I landed in the United States of America. So I didn't realize uh, you, you said it was very the job market is incredibly tough where you grew up. Was that more the impetus to leave or you would have liked to stay if the job market was a little better or you wanted to come to America or a little bit of both? A uh, little bit of both. Uh, I did uh, create a lot of uh, uh, relationship while I was working for the CPA firm and Excel there as well. Uh, but uh, the opportunities, the things you hear about uh, the U.S., the land of opportunity, and it's it's pretty much uh, uh, most of the youth's dream over there to move to U.S. to thrive uh, because to excel the way you can excel in U.S. back home, it's I wouldn't say impossible, but you maybe you you have less than one percent chance of achieving the same thing that you can in U.S. in the same amount of time. Are, are the summers as hot in Mumbai as they are in Atlanta? Uh, it's hotter. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, so you were okay with the uh, deep south uh, humidity and and uh, and temperatures. So that's good because yes. that's uh, be quite quite a shock to some people. Yes, summer and humidity is the same. Winter, not quite. Uh, we we end at like seventy sixty five degrees in winter. Uh, so yeah, when uh, 30 degrees is not, not seen or heard in Mumbai. So yeah, they, I have to adjust to the cold temperature, not, not to the summers. <laughs> so, so you came to, to the United States and, and you're working with your uncle and then how did that shift over to the credit union? Uh, because I know platinum isn't a, a old credit. It's not a 75 year old, old credit union. It's a relatively new credit union. So tell me a little bit about Platinum and the origins of the credit union. Sure. Uh, so uh, I came in March 2001 and I worked for my uncle for about a month or less than a month. And I was not liking what I was doing. So I told my uncle, you know, I love you, uh, uh, but I think I, I, I don't belong here. I want to look for something professional job. And uh, that's when uh, he knew somebody on the board at the credit union. And okay. Platinum started in January 2000. It opened its doors to its members uh, in January 2000. So it's only 22 years old, Karajian, right now. And it was only a year old uh, in April 2001 when my uncle introduced me to a board of directors of the credit union and it happened to be that the existing employee was planning to move to alabama uh, because her husband had moved there and uh, she was going to move there for business reasons and uh, that's when they are looking for somebody to replace her and she was the only employee so when i interviewed with the board of directors and i was going to be the only employee replacing the existing employee so that's how my journey started back in april 2001 at platinum credit union and it was about a uh, little over a million in assets 1.1 million assets uh, that was the size of the credit union and first year profit was 800 dollars. i'll never forget that <laughs> but uh, you did make I started, a profit i looked at the financials that's what we did yeah so when i looked at the financials what i'm getting myself into and I saw it was 800 and some thousand in assets for the first year in Jan December 2000 and $800 profit. I'm like, oh, wow, um, uh, this will be quite a startup. Tell people about the community you serve and the field of membership. 
Sure. Uh, so uh, Platinum Federal Credit Union uh, is faith-based credit union. Uh, so our field of membership is the Shia, Shia sect of the Ismaili Muslims. So as most of the people know that, you know, Islam uh, or Muslims are divided between two major sects, uh, Shia and Sunnis. But within Shias, there are uh, a lot of different beliefs uh, in the, uh, the leader and there are separations based on that. Uh, the Sunnis believe uh, in uh, the Prophet and the Quran and the Shias uh, believed also in, the, uh, in Ali, who was uh, Prophet Muhammad's nephew and then his progeny. And the Shia Ismailis believe for our current Imam or our current spiritual leader, Karim Aga Khan, is the direct descendant of Prophet Muhammad through uh, his uh, uh, son-in-law, uh, Hazrat Ali. Uh, so that's the field of membership that we serve. And we have about 100,000 or a little less than 100,000 potential membership in, in the United States, in the entire country. Are there certain sections of the country where there there's pockets of population bases or is it relatively spread out what 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 are the the major population centers where there's potential for membership so the biggest one is texas uh houston texas has the biggest population followed by uh georgia then dallas texas so texas has a huge concentration of field of membership and we actually have one credit union called nizari progressive over there uh, that serves the same field of membership and okay. uh, we are located in Georgia, and then we, we basically cater to the southeast and the east side of the community. Uh, so New York, New Jersey, uh, Virginia, Tennessee, Florida, Alabama, and we currently have branches in Alabama and Florida and Orlando, and then uh, one small uh, service center. And then in Georgia, we have three full service uh, branch buildings. So... One of the things that I've noticed in the last 20 years is it seems like credit unions are doing everything they can to have a wide open field of membership. If they have a community, if they're community chartered, they want more counties. If it's a field of membership, you know, they have an association that anybody can join. You have stayed true to your roots and the origins of the credit union, you know, what's the benefits and maybe some of the challenges of having a, a tighter field of membership that, that's spread throughout in different areas? So the, the biggest benefit uh, or one of the biggest benefit that we have uh, staying true to our, uh, our field of membership is, you know, the person walking inside the door because we meet them in the church um, several times a week and uh, we know who they are. We know who their spouse is if they're married. We know who their kids are. We know who their parents are. Uh, the biggest issue uh, with most banks and now as the Caritune expands its field of membership with Caritune as well, they don't know the character of the person walking in that door. And that's most important for any financial products, whether it's deposit or lending. Uh, to have that trust factor. Uh, and that's what that's the edge that we have. And uh, that's how our delinquency is lowest uh, among our peers. Our charge-offs are among the lowest nationally. Uh, so those are some of the advantages that we have. And plus knowing what the business they are in, what are their financial needs, where is their void, 
where other financial institutions are satisfying needs and where is the uh, where are some of the needs that there are no other financial institutions that can meet that and we try to fill that void and see the value and create value for them yeah and that's what i really think is great about what what you're doing uh, you know all credit unions are cooperatives you know okay yeah we we have these values but to me you live them more than anybody else that i know it is a cooperative for helping a group of people. And I remember the first time I was at Platinum, uh, you, you were telling me about my, more uh, of the, the how you help immigrants coming to the U.S. and moving with them. Tell us a little bit about that process of helping the immigrants get their services that they need and how the existing members maybe help them out. So when I started uh, uh, or I came to U.S., I went through that process. I had no idea what's a credit. So what's your credit score? I had no clue about that. Thankfully, some people in our community, my uncle, told me about how to build credit. And uh, I went to the local bank, uh, opened a, a savings account, put some money in there. You have to keep the money for a certain amount of time. Then you can convert that uh, uh, funds uh, as a security for uh, a secure credit card. So I did that and that's how I started building my credit. I think it took me a year to go through that whole process and start getting a credit score. We saw that challenge and we we're like, okay, every most of our members at that, at least at that point of time were immigrants or first generation immigrants. And now of course we have people who are born here, the kids, uh, the next generation. So we we're like, how do we fill that void? And we started offering uh, unsecured credit cards in 2004 with 500 limit to brand new credit score. We offer, of course, savings account, checking account, auto loans with brand new credit score with not the boardings that you see 16, 17% and 20% per month. We were offering them at 7% per year APR. So we would take them as not great credit, but not bad credit. It's it's a fair game. You know, if the lowest rate is 5% or 4%, we would offer them 7%. So they are not getting the 12% because we don't treat zero credit or no credit as bad credit. And that's how we were able to help the immigrants. And it's funny you ask this question because we just had a strategic planning meeting last month and we were talking about creating a welcome package that we have a bag that has education materials for insurance, for credit, for checking accounts, things that we did not know when we came to this country that are different from where we come from, whether it's India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, East Africa. Those are the majority of the pockets that our community comes from uh, and have our products and services as well, the checking, savings, uh, credit card, auto loans, debit card, uh, in that package and then uh, uh, talk to our church group and see if we can, because they go to the church first when they come in. So if we can hand that welcome package to them and get them moving and give them a jump start. I can only imagine how appreciative people are to get that step up and helping out. And, you know, you, you have a very loyal membership base but I would bet once you help them out and help out the family members, you know, you would have to almost pry these people away from the credit union because of the interconnectivity and the cooperative spirit and how you help each other. And once you get, you're now getting into a generational help. 
somebody who came 15, 20 years ago, you know, they have kids and they're now business owners and it just keeps rolling. So that must just be, uh, I hate to say it makes life a little bit easier, but it must be wonderful to, to, to be able to help people out like that. It's just beautiful. Every time I hear from someone, I'll meet somebody who's successful and he's like, do you remember me? And I'm like, I think I do. <laughs> most most of the people I do, but some of them, it's, it's been a while that I've seen them. And they're like, you were in that small office by yourself and you gave me this $10,000 unsecured loan. And today I'm applying for a million dollar loan with you. So that journey started, nobody would give me $2,000 at that time because my credit was new, uh, but we asked for guarantors when the credit is new to give unsecured loans. And that's when we give them 10,000 or $15,000, their startup capital. And they are where they are right now, 15 years, 20 years later. So every time I hear that, uh, I, I just, it's, it's the most satisfying thing ever to hear that, that they were where they were when they came to this country, we gave them that small loan. And then over the years, they might be at their 22nd loan or the seventh loan with us. And they have grown so much. And in between they have, now they have established themselves that they can go to any financial institution and get that million dollar loan, but they choose to come to us again. Yeah, and that's what I really wish, regardless of where you fall on the political spectrum, you know, the people that you give an opportunity to come to the United States and give them that firsthand, it doesn't take very long for them to be, I hate to productive Americans living here, having businesses, owning houses, uh, you know, taking out car loans and really contributing uh, to, to the United States. So, so I just think that's wonderful. But, but you mentioned somebody, you know, the early days of the startups. And I want to roll back to that for just a second. You get sure. this job and you're the single employee, probably I'm picturing a very cramped corner office somewhere, probably <laughs> looks like a closet. What was it like looking at what is essentially a, a startup and a, a very small credit union with, where you're really just trying to build it? What was those early days like? So, so I was lucky it didn't start in my basement <laughs> or my garage. So uh, uh, it was a small 200 square feet office space. And I remember first examiner that came in, uh, I, I, I lobbied with the board members to hire another staff and they're like, oh, we cannot afford that. I'm like, I know that. I'm like, trust me, hire another staff that can do day-to-day -day work so I can concentrate on building this credit union and growing this credit union. And they put their faith and trust in me, hired another staff, and I was able to start growing the credit union. But at that time, I remember our first exam, NCU examiner. So we only had two tables and we could only fit two tables in that space or two desks. And I was sitting on one desk and my, uh, one of my staff was sitting on another desk. And when the NCU examiner came in, both of us were sitting across the same desk and the NC examiner was doing the audit and I was doing my work on the uh, day to day. So that's, that's how the startup was like. Uh, but I think it was the biggest uh, challenge was gaining members trust. Once you start, uh, you know, seeing the members trusting you, you started delivering the products and service and ask, ask questions. What do you think you need from the credit union? 
what can we do to help you make your life better? And of course, at a startup, you are constrained in a lot of ways. You cannot do everything. Although we pushed a lot of buttons with NCUA, our regulators, and okay, we can can we do fifteen thousand dollar unsecured loan? They're like, no, 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 no. You need to stick with ten thousand. You're brand new. You don't have experience. But we had learned a lot with uh, Nizari as well, which was already around ten years uh, in Houston. So our board members, our founder members, went there, learned the products and services from them, but then expanded the products and services that they were offering and added to the auto loans, uh, added to the credit cards, and all that. That Nizari was still not offering at that point of time. So, so yeah, early days were tough, uh, but again, it was all we saw was how much growth potential we have, how much opportunity we have, and the immigrant community that we talked about that is untapped, and uh, that's where we excelled. So, when I got started at MBFS ten years ago, there were eighty five hundred credit unions. We've now slipped below five thousand. What, you're, you are a credit union that's 22 years old and, and I'll say was started up in the modern age, you know, not at the factory 50 years ago. Why do you think we struggle to start new credit unions? But more importantly, many of these new credit unions that start up don't succeed. What, what, what do you think is that difference where you were able to come in as that startup and thrive versus we really struggle to form new credit unions. I believe NCUA chartered two credit unions this year, uh, People's Trust, and uh, I think a couple of days back, Episcopal uh, uh, Federal Credit Union, which is faith-based as well. So I was excited to see that faith-based credit union in New York. But I, I think there are some barriers that have come along the way or along the years since when we started. Uh, last I know, I think we are the only surviving credit union in Georgia or the last surviving credit union that has been uh, formed in Georgia, in the state of Georgia. Uh, there were some that were formed after us but couldn't survive, to your point. But I think NCUA has also started, uh, or maybe they have seen as well that the credit unions start but don't last long. So they started requiring more capital requirement, just like a bank, not 10 million and 15 million, but million dollars or some small capital. So I think that has become a huge hindrance for volunteers or for a group or for uh, a community to come up with those funds to start the courage union. So I feel, I feel that was the big, that is the biggest hurdle for platinum. Uh, when we were formed, when I was looking at our balance sheet, there was no capital, the $800 that we earned first year, that was the only capital we had on our balance sheet. And we grew into the capital. And as we know nowadays, uh, change is permanent. Credit unions that are not open to change, not open to using technology and the increased burden of compliance and the credit unions have just the credit union industry itself. Uh, like you mentioned, you know, they are in a city, they want the county, if they're in the county, they want different counties and state uh, field of membership. It's hard for smaller credit unions to compete against the bigger ones when they are pretty much providing most of the products and services that they were planning to offer. It maybe there are very small needs that are not fulfilled, but it's hard to survive on just providing those small services. Yeah, I, I really think it helps when you have, you know, getting back to that credit union common bond, you have a true common bond of people that want to help people. 
as opposed to just saying, eh, I'm going to open a credit union in Atlanta and anybody could join because then you're swinging against all the big guys and sometimes they do it a little better. So like you mentioned, people helping people. Uh, one of the best example that we have at Platinum is our scholarship. We started scholar giving scholarship 12 years back. First year, we just did $5,000 from PFCU funds or Platinum's funds. We did $1,000 each, five scholarships. In 2022 and for the last five years, we are giving 100,000 in scholarships, wow. 2,500 each. But it's not all Platinum's money. It's some money's Platinum, almost 25, 30% is Platinum's money but members contribute because they feel very strongly about the cause of scholarship and educating our community, our next generation, and they put in money. We have a trade association for our community, same field of membership, and they match whatever Platinum puts in. So that's how we were able to grow the scholarship funds over the years. And it's not Courage Union helping members, but our members are helping the Courage Union help other members as well. That's great. So I want to go back and talk about about two and a half years ago. Let's roll back to March 2020. And the government came up with this little program called the Paycheck Protection Program. And we worked with about 50 different credit unions. And when people said, who's doing the most? I, I said, I have this credit union from Georgia that's smaller than many credit unions, and they're doing more loans than anybody else that I work with. So that had to be one of the crazier times in Platinum's 22-year history. Tell me a little bit, and, and go ahead and brag a little bit, and tell people about how you <laughs> approached the, the PPP loan program. Yes, it was one of the craziest times in my 21 years at the Courage Union. And uh, yeah, we had some sleepless nights and uh, had to stay up to get uh, the PPP process. But yes, uh, I have, I think we have gone back and forth with SBA to see if we can get SBA license since 2005. And given the, and the limitation that we have 12.25% of, of our assets for MBLs, it didn't justify having the SBA license, maybe do one or two loans, and then we have to stop. So, and then the process was much lengthier. Early 2019 or late 2018, NCUA started marketing that, okay, they have worked with SBA and streamlined the process. And mid 2019, we are like, okay, let's, now we are bigger. We are about 100 million plus, and you know, uh, uh, we should be able to do more SBA loans. And of course, the guaranteed portion doesn't count towards our MBA limit. So it'd be a better idea for us to start providing SBA loans. So we approached SBA, get licensed in December 2019, and it was very, very smooth process. I must say kudos to NCUA for streamlining that because before I was told in 2005, it'll take six months and all that. Uh, it was like a two week process and it was pretty smooth. So we got our license in 2019 and then we were started to get set up, get our uh, access to online uh, uh, platform, cash platform. And February, we have everything done. And like you said, in March, we had still not announced to the membership that we are SBA licensed. And in March, government, uh, the pandemic happens, the government comes out with the PPP loans, Paycheck Protection Program, and we just send out one email to our membership that Platinum is licensed as an SBA uh, provider, and we will be providing PPP loans to our membership. And we just saw flood off because we already had a lot of uh, almost 1,500 plus business accounts. 
and we saw a flood of applications coming in. Not only that, but we organized a webinar for our members to educate them. What is PPP program? What other programs are available? We talked about EIDL program. We talked about employment retention credits. So we talked about all the programs that are available to the businesses. And, uh, and we wanted to make sure that all the applications that we received, we can process them for SBA. And we, uh, we did almost 13 million in the first PPP round. And in round two, we did almost $9 million. And of course, thanks to MBFS for streamlining the process for us. We were new to this uh, area and y'all held our hand, y'all educated us and we educated our members. And together we were able to do all this process and go through this uh, uh, hurdle, especially initially where we were up at 2 a.m., 3 a.m. because we realized during the day we cannot log in. Everybody's logged in and I'm like, <laughs> Uh, I don't want to put others down, but I'm like most of the banks, employees, they're not going to stay up late for their customers. We will yeah, stay up you, for our members. Yeah, you you did just you you did a tremendous amount of loans uh, relative to your size, and you did a tremendous amount of loans relative to large credit unions. It was really uh, and it was great to see that dedication and that that spirit follow through. Because at, that was at the time, you know, you had small businesses, they, they needed that money. That was a lifeline. So, yeah, that, that was really a, an incredible time and, and it showed a and really strong commitment. Yeah, you're right. Because uh, uh, our although our loans, we did 13 million and 9 million, our average size of the loan in the first round was 20,000 and in round two was 22,000. Our smallest loan was 500. We have done $1,000, $1,200, $1,500 loans. And a lot of these small loans came from banks. They didn't have their checking account with us. They were banking with banks, but they came to us and we got it processed as fast as we could. And we also lobbied for our smaller, uh, the Uber drivers, the Lyft drivers, the small mom and pop business, where they were considering Schedule C net income. And we went to lobby to the senators and congressmen that, you know, it's not fair for them because their livelihood, they are, everything comes from the business. And if we take net income, there'll be very small portion of the percentage of that. And thankfully in round two, they understood that and changed it to the gross amount. And we were successful in doing that. And, 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 and I just wanted to add that in addition to the PPP loans, we saw the struggles that our members were going through and they may go through in future because we don't know how long this is going to last. So we started offering up to $5,000 loans to members to pay their rent, to you know buy food, because if they have lost the jobs, they had a job, this is something to you know fill in up to $25,000 and up to $25,000 line of credit for businesses so that if their business has been closed, to pay the light bill, to pay the rent or whatever their needs are. So we floated those loans out as well at 2.99 and 3.99 interest rates. And we were thankful that we were in a position to help our members. That's great. So let's put our your crystal ball in for a minute. You know, as we record this, it's November 2022. And November 2021, the interest rate environment, the liquidity environment, and the loan market was the exact opposite of what it is today. And, and we've had seen a lot of credit unions have to adjust hard. How are Team Platinum 
thinking about maybe 2023, the next few months, the next year or so, with regards to the interest rate environment, the liquidity of the credit union, what 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 are you thinking? Of? What are your what's on your mind as far as uh, the future at Platinum? So yes, the liquidity has tightened, including at Platinum, and uh, and uh, we we normally we have a cycle that we go through, and normally from March to April we have our biggest growth in deposits, and then we have. Smaller growths uh, at other point of time uh, during the year, uh, and then we slowly and gradually loan it out uh, during the year. Uh, so for 2023, uh, as I mentioned earlier, that we just finished our strategic planning meeting, and we want to stay true to our purpose, to our goal, uh, which is to elevate and uplift our members and our employees. And to that notion, uh, this year, earlier this year, we launched a 555 loan, uh, which is 5% for five years, $5,000. And we are seeing a lot of members taking advantage of that, uh, where they're struggling, no guarantors required. We are now, fast forward pre, from pre-pandemic, we are above 100 million. Right now, we are above 200 million. We are about 240 million in assets. And just this month, we, hit, uh, we went over 250 million in assets. Uh, so we are looking at uh, streamlining our products and services. We are changing our entire core system to stay up and about with the technological advancements at Zelle and FedNow and uh, RTP and uh, you know whatever it's coming in the technological environment. We have been with our current core for the last 17 years and they have been great to us. Uh, but we feel now in order to stay relevant, we have to change and we have to uh, adopt to a new core that will allow us to get to the next billion dollar or more from the current 250 million that we are at. So that's our biggest uh, goal for next year, 2023, and going forward to uh, ensure that we have that technological need, we have that mobile first mindset for delivery to our membership. Uh, As far as interest, Yep. As far as interest rate is concerned that you talked about, uh, we are seeing, uh, uh, as we knew that the interest rates are going to go up for the rest of this year. We are, for the last two years, we have been, and we did the same thing in 2008. We set ourselves in a, a, a change for in, increasing rate environment. And that's what we did in the last two years, made sure our balance sheet is adjusted to take advantage of the increase in rate environment and our loans are maturing faster, or majority of our loans are maturing faster. And I believe most of the credit unions have that, uh, especially in the auto loans where the maturity or turnover is within 18 to 24 months. So we can adjust a balance sheet sheet pretty fast uh, for growing rate environment. So we want to take advantage of that, and we we feel the way uh, markets are behaving to the fast-paced increase in interest rates. We feel that past June 2023, uh, maybe September 2023, uh, Fed will have to start coming down on rates slowly and gradually and come to their base norm uh, of Fed funds rate of 2% to two, two quarter. Uh, so they'll start going down slowly. So we'll have to make sure that we take advantage of the next nine months, but also not lose sight that that's down, downward rate environment is coming soon as well. So we need to make sure our balance sheet is ready to take advantage of that as well. Great. Okay. Well, Kabir, thank you for your time today. And and I've really enjoyed our, our relationship over the last few years. 
And I, I believe I, I wanted to have you on today so you could tell your story because I think it is one that should be told and one that should be applauded. Uh, and, and other credit unions should look at you as a model for how the, with the spirit that you help your members. So, so appreciate it. Thank you for coming. Any uh, parting thoughts? Uh, thank you so much for uh, uh, allowing me to share uh, my journey and Platinum's journey uh, on this podcast. I hope I'm able to, uh, the, the story helps others and especially to the smaller credit unions out there. Uh, I think the way you mentioned that, you know, more members and more counties, I, I, I don't know if that's the solution for credit union industry, but I believe being in the lobby, talking to the frontline staff, understanding the needs of the existing membership looking at your existing data of membership, what they're using, what they're not using, what are the gaps on where they're struggling, what communities they're living in, and how we can bridge those gaps and help them. will make those members for life, uh, like we have at Platinum, and they'll keep coming back. Uh, and even though they can go to 100 institutions, they'll come back to Platinum, or they'll come back to their credit union. That's a great lesson. So thank you for all the listeners. Thank you to Kabir Lewala of Platinum Federal Credit Union for joining us today. And remember to subscribe to us on your favorite audio platform. And uh, we'll look for our episodes every two weeks. But thank you and have a great day at your credit union. Thank you for listening to the Credit Union Conversations podcast. Have a question? Visit markritter.com for more information.